Good morning and welcome to Bethesda Church. And uh, you'll notice that uh, the background is a little different this morning uh, because I'm actually doing the live stream from my dining room table this morning uh, at home. Uh, we just decided to uh, take extra precautionary measures this week um, with the spread of the virus that continues to spread in rapid numbers. And we're just trying to do everything we can to protect people and keep people out of harm's way. And so we're gonna be live streaming from my house this morning. So um, glad to be able to view this morning. And um, it's been quite a week. And um, I would just like to uh, welcome you. And also wanna let you know that there's some YouTube songs out there that um, are posted on our Facebook page. And I would encourage you um, after the message today uh, to sit down with your family and watch these YouTube songs. Um, the Goodness of God, uh, The Everlasting God, Lord from Sorrows Deep I Call, and just some great lyrics, uh, very encouraging songs, and sing them together as a family and worship the Lord, our great God. And um, just trust that that'll be a blessing in your own life. Today, I'm going to be talking about finding strength for today. Uh, but before I begin, let's open with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to call you Father. Lord, to come into your presence, that you are Almighty God, that you are the everlasting Father, uh, that you are the wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace. Um, God, you are our Sovereign Lord. And we just come before you, Lord. We're a people that are a needy people. Uh, there is so much going on in our world uh, with the coronavirus and illness and even death and affecting our entire world, affecting our economy and our politics and our jobs and our families, our, our worship. Um, just every aspect of our, our lives, our, our interaction with one another. We can't even be under one roof. And this has been so different for us and so hard. And But God, we're so thankful that you are faithful to us and that you love us and uh, you give us access to your throne. And so, Lord, we pray that today that you would bring great comfort to our hearts and uh, strength to us, renewed hope uh, as we look into your word. Uh, knowing that uh, there are ancient words that are ever true, as the songwriter said, changing me and changing you. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, these words will change us today and as we renew our minds in, in truth. And, Lord, we give you the praise, honor, and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, um, I really wrestled with what to share uh, there's just been so much going on, not only in our world, but even in our little uh, town of Huron. And um, the thing that kind of came to me was finding strength for today. Um, how can we find strength for today with everything that's going on with the coronavirus and the news 24-7? We see the numbers rapidly increasing and um, people getting sick and even people passing away and um, how do we handle that? And so today I want to share about four ways to find strength 
for today. Four ways to find strength for today. The first one um, is one that will hit home very rapidly for us. The first way we find strength is to give ourselves permission to grieve. Um, we have every reason to have a sense of grief right now. Uh, we have so much going on in our community and even in our church family. And, and Jesus himself was acquainted with grief. It tells us in Isaiah 53, 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. So we need to give ourselves permission to grieve because we have a lot to grieve about. Um, many of you know that just this weekend, Mary Hofer went home to heaven. Uh, the wife of Quint, the mother of Caleb, Zach and Lily, the daughter of Jim and Patty Gross. All of her third grade students will miss her. We will miss her. The JVC family will miss her. Bethel Church. Um, many people are touched by this and it does bring grief to our hearts. Our hearts are broken uh, for this family and these families that are affected. We also have in our own church, uh, Bob Glanzer, who is on a ventilator and is battling for his life. And his wife, Penny, who has been in and out of the hospital and the shuffling that's gone on with Tom and Stephanie, and their family. And then you have Brad and Sally who are down in Kansas and uh, just the, the grief and that they can't be together uh, because of all this. And then we have other people that have the loss of jobs and income and health and connections. And um, we need to give ourselves permission to grieve. We have seniors who are ready to graduate from high school and usually enjoy wonderful activities and things their senior year and have not been able to, to do so. And so that's a sense of loss and grief. And we need to be able to acknowledge that and give ourselves permission to grieve. It's not wrong. It's not unspiritual. It's okay to grieve. Uh, Jesus grieved. I do want to remind us, though, that grief is a reminder that we're not home yet. Uh, we're just not home. There's heartache. There's hurt. There's pain. There's suffering. There's sickness and sorrow as long as we are on this earth. And much of that has come because of the corruption of sin uh, that has brought that to us. But I want to remind us that 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve others who have no hope. So while we do have permission to grieve, and we do need to grieve those losses, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. We grieve with people who have hope. We have hope because of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus brought us to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. So it's okay to grieve. 
but we grieve with hope. Zig Ziglar said, if we did not love, we would not grieve. And I think that's true. The reason we grieve is because we love. And God has given us that capacity to love. And so when we lose a loved one, or someone is ill, or someone's going through a hard time, or there's been a tragedy or a crisis, uh, we're going we're gonna to feel grief. And that's okay. Give yourself permission to grieve. Kubler-Ross, many of you are familiar with this. It's been around for many years. Give lives of grief. These are not really listed in the Bible, per se, but uh, this comes from uh, life experience of people observing life and people who have lived through grief and what they've observed. And I think it is good to mention these. And then we are going to look at the scripture, though, and see that uh, David, the psalmist, experienced much of these uh, very stages. And as you work through these stages of grief, we have to remember that uh, these stages are not uh, linear. You don't go through one, two, three, four, or five like that. Uh, it's more circular. Um, and you can go through that again and again and again. So you might go through stage one and then stage three and stage five, and then back to stage two. And uh, so there's really no, it's all over the place. And that's what makes grief so difficult. Um, it's not linear. Um, and so you can cycle back through the stages of grief again and again. Uh, but in these five stages, the first one is denial. Uh, denial is saying, this can't be happening to me. Um, you have a feeling of being overwhelmed, a state of shock that um, but this helps us cope with the loss. And so God allows us to feel that sense of denial, uh, to shield us, uh, so that we can, uh, cope with that loss, uh, that is so great and that hurt that is so great. Um, the second one is anger. Um, underneath this anger is pain. Um, we ask the question oftentimes, where is God in all of this? Um, at that time, we can feel abandoned by God or deserted by God over loss, uh, a broken dream, and, uh, an expectation or a hope that is not there. Um, I still recall uh, in my own life uh, going through um, the grief of a broken dream. And many of you have heard me share before that... Um, I thought I was going to be the next senior pastor at the church uh, that I was an associate pastor at. And it seemed like all signs were pointing toward that. And I had my heart set on that and believed that God was leading me to that. And then that door was slammed in my face. And I'll never forget the feeling that I had inside. I, I felt like my uh, heart uh, was just like a glass goblet that had been thrown down and, and shattered on the concrete. Uh, I was absolutely broken inside and it was not a good feeling. And yes, there was grief. And yes, there was uh, probably a denial that this is even happening and anger that this was happening. God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? I, I love you. I'm you. Why, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And, and maybe you've had something similar that you've gone through. God, why are you allowing this to happen? And I think it's okay for us to be human like that. But then we have to come back and remember who we are 
And we have to remember who God is, uh, that he is for us, that he's not against us. And he uses those things to shape us and mold us. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've been able to use that experience in counseling uh, other people. And, and God has taught me that you can't help somebody else through their pain if you've never been through pain. And so it's important that we uh, are able to experience pain and God taking us through that so we can help somebody else through their pain. The third step is stage is bargaining. Um, it's where we begin to bargain with God. God, if you'll heal this person, I'll never do such and such again. Or I'll start to do this every day. And we begin to bargain with God. God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. And, and God is not a bargaining God. Um, he is who he is. And he will do what he will do. Um, he says he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. And um, he will lift up who he wants to lift up and put down who he wants to put down. Um, and we have to trust him. Uh, the fourth stage of grief is depression. Uh, we feel empty. Uh, we feel like this is the only, this is the way it's going to be the rest of my life. Um, and you tend to live in a fog of intense sadness. Um, and that's okay. There are times that we can be depressed and we can be down. Um, but remember that we have a God in heaven who loves us and cares for us and uh, can pull us out of that, uh, out of that pit of despair. Um, he is a faithful God, and we're going to see that uh, today in Scripture. And then the fifth stage of grief is acceptance. Uh, but it's not saying by accepting this that everything is okay. It's not saying that I'm, I like this new reality, because the truth of the matter is you may not like that new reality. But you accept it, and you allow God to help you accept it, and you readjust your thinking and you stop saying, I can't handle this, and I must have this, and this won't work, and um, look at all the wrong that is going on. Um, you just are willing to begin to accept uh, what God has brought into your life as filtered through his sovereign hand. Um, David Kessler um, recently wrote a book. Um, he added a sick day uh, to these stages of grief. And he came to this after the loss of his own son. And the sixth stage that he feels like would be an important uh, stage to think about is finding meaning. Um, remembering those who died with more love than pain. Um, and that takes time uh, to do that. Um, the Bible says in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And God definitely will do that for us. So finding strength for today, the first thing we need to think about is giving ourselves permission to grieve. It's okay to grieve. The second thing that I want to second way we can find strength for today is to lean on God's mercy moment by moment. Lean on his mercy moment by moment. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great 
is your faithfulness. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. So we need to lean on God's mercy moment by moment because his mercy never ends. In fact, it says that his mercies are new every morning. That means this morning when you awoke and even before you got your head off the pillow, fresh for today, I had fresh mercy for today. God's people have fresh mercy for today. Uh, that's a wonderful thought. Uh, the mercy that God gave me yesterday is, is past. Uh, yesterday is past. The mercy that I need for today is present. Uh, what mercy will I need for today? I don't even know the answer to that because I don't know what today holds. But I do know who holds today. And that's our great God. And so because he holds today and because he gives fresh mercy, I need to lean on that mercy moment by moment. Uh, that's our faithful God. He tells us in Psalm 6, I want to read this psalm to you. Uh, it is a wonderful psalm, but it's a psalm that has intense grief in it, but also great mercy. Here's what it says in Psalm 6. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Or discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. No one remembers you when he is dead. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because all, of all my foes. Away from me, you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and dismayed. They will turn back. What do we see here? We see the psalmist in intense agony. We don't know exactly what he was going through, what experience or situation he was going through, but we do know that inside, internally, he was broken, he was hurting, he was in intense grief. It felt like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. Apparently there were enemies that were against him and he was feeling intense pressure. What did he do? Well, in verse 2, he says, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. His need for mercy, he was hurting, he felt broken. And then he says this, heal me for my bones agony. This is bone deep grief. This is pain personified. He says, my soul is in anguish. He goes down in verse 6 and he says, I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Here is a man who is physically drained. He is emotionally exhausted. 
and he is spiritually spent. He has nothing left. The tank is empty. He's operating on fumes. But what does he do? He turns and leans on the mercy of God. You see, there are three things in here the psalmist cannot do. First, the psalmist can't sleep. I am worn out from groaning in verse 6. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping. All night long. Why? Because he can't sleep. He's crying. So he can't sleep. He's restless. He's tossing. He's turning. Now he's facing sleep deprivation. That can impact us physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally when we can't sleep. Some of you remember the ear problem I had uh, developed about four years ago from a gun. And I remember uh, not being able to sleep for about 30 hours plus. And I remember I had never faced that kind of sleep deprivation before. And my mind was all messed up. My emotions were all messed up. I couldn't think straight. And it's, it's not an easy position to be in. It doesn't feel good. And it just messes you up. So he couldn't sleep. He couldn't think straight. You get wild and crazy ideas flooding his mind. Thirdly, he couldn't turn off the tears. His eyes hurt. His tear ducts had been overexercised. His emotions were off the chart. He was feeling hopeless and probably abandoned, maybe even, by God. Loneliness. No one is with me. No one feels what I'm feeling. Sense of isolation, depression. A lot of the stages of grief that we just talked about. So what do we do when we feel like this? Well, what did the psalmist do? Here's what we can do. We can lean on the mercy of God moment by moment. You know, it's a reminder when our world is turned upside down and things are topsy-turvy that we have to lean on the mercy of God. And maybe we're more acutely aware of that today than we've ever been because of what we're going through. But the reality is God wants us to live that way all the time. But oftentimes we don't, do we? But God wants us to. So we can lean on the mercy of God moment by moment. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Gratefulness. His mercy is new every morning, so lean on his mercy. The second thing the psalmist could do was he could remember God's unfailing love. He says, be merciful to me, Lord. I am faint. Heal me, for my bones are in agony. He knows that God is the one because his mercies never come to an end. And when he talks about the steadfast love of the Lord, he's talking about God's true love, his faithful love, his loyal love that does not change. His constant goodness to us, his mercies never come to an end. We're never cut off from the mercy of God. His love is not dependent on my health, my wealth, my situations, or my circumstances. In fact, the Bible says that nothing can separate us from his love. And that's a great comfort to us. The Bible tells us in Psalm 34, the Lord is near 
to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. The psalmist can also find comfort in God's word in affliction. He says in Psalm 119, verse 50, this is my comfort and my affliction, that your promise gives me life. What a comfort it is. The psalmist said in Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's talking about the word of God. The word of God brings comfort to our hearts. Uh, it is the thing that settles our mind and calms our fears and settles our worries. Uh, when we take in the word of God, it reminds us of who God is and what he can accomplish in our lives. The psalmist can also be confident that God hears his prayer. Notice what he says in verse 9 of Psalm 6. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my prayer. Wow, what a thought that is, that God of the universe hears the weeping, the crying, the grief, the sorrow, the loss, the brokenness, the hopelessness, the loneliness. God hears it all. And he says, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. Why? Because he was leaning on the mercy of God and he received God's mercy. And we will too, as we cry out to him, he calls his throne, the throne of grace and mercy, that we can find grace and mercy in our time of need. Uh, Hebrews chapter four. He can be confident that God hears his prayer. I think it's another question we can ask too, is when we're going through something like this, this major emotional upheaval in the psalmist's life or in our lives when we're going through something that is with most evil, like we're going through with the coronavirus. What does God want to teach me through this trial? What does he want to teach the Bethesda church family through this trial? What does he want to teach the Huron community through this trial? What does he want to teach South Dakota through this trial? What does he want to teach America? What does he want to teach the world through this trial? Well, one thing is that we need his mercy <laughs> every day. We need the Lord. I think he also wants to teach us that through these trials, he is perfecting faith. He is purifying us as a people for himself. James chapter one, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Notice the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. A faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Um, if you go back into the book of Job, you can see a man who was blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil, and yet his faith was tested, wasn't it? I mean, it was tested to the max, and yet he came out the other side. He says, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Uh, Job was a different Job. The Job that was the Job of chapter 1, 
was not the same Job of chapter 42. He was a very different person. He talked about how his, he had heard about God, but now he said, I see you, I see you. And he began to see God for who he was in a different light because God had deepened his faith through the steadfastness of the trials that he went through. So you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then he says, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. From the trials we go through, we learn God's comfort and then we can comfort someone else. Some of the most godly people I know have been through fire and flood, as it were. Uh, when you read some of the stories of godly men that God has used down through history, um, just the story of Job itself, but even other people, William Carey. William Carey took the gospel. He was considered the father of modern missions and such a burden to take the gospel to India uh, that he made a globe out of shoe leather and he prayed for the world and, and then God led him to go to India and take the gospel to India. His wife went kicking and screaming, but she went with him. Um, he buried some of his children in India he was translating the Bible in, into the uh, Bengali language, and he had it stored. And in, in the building that it was stored in, uh, there was a fire, and it was all burned up. All of his work, hours and hours and hours of work was burned up, and, and he started over. And, and yet he went through all those trials, and yet God was deepening his faith and deepening his trust as he looked to the Lord. We, as we go through these trials, though, we learn the comfort of God. And through that comfort that God gives us, then we have the privilege, the privilege to reach out and grab someone else's hand, to put an arm around their shoulder when they are grieving and hurting and just being there for them and being a comfort and a strength to them. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us. It is God who comforts us, he says, in all our affliction. In other words, there's no affliction so great that God can't bring comfort to our heart. There's nothing in the universe. There's nothing in the world that will supersede the ability of God to bring comfort to a hurting heart. He says he comforts us in all our affliction so that we then may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. How? How do we comfort those in any affliction? He says, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So God pours comfort into my heart, not just for me, not just for my situation, not just for my affliction, but he pours that comfort into my heart so that I might use that comfort also to comfort someone else. And we have many people who are hurting and need comfort today. And perhaps God would lay somebody on your heart today that you need to pick up the phone and call and give them a comforting word of encouragement.
a comforting word of prayer uh, to minister to a hurting heart today or hurting family or several families. And maybe you can pray about that today uh, as we uh, close the service, pray that God would just lay someone on your heart that you can call today or send a text to or an email to or send a card to uh, that needs some comforting words like the Hofer family or the Glanzer family or other families uh, that you know um, could use a word of encouragement. So that's two ways we can find strength for today. First, giving yourself permission to grieve. And secondly, leaning on God's mercy moment by moment. The third way we can find strength for today and this is very practical, is to nourish your body with physical activity. Right now, we are so cooped up. You know, we stay in the house, we watch TV, we watch TV, we watch TV, we watch our Facebook, we sit like couch potatoes, many of us, and we're not doing much else. Um, we need to exercise our bodies. And I'm saying this to me too. Um, take time to exercise. Uh, it helps you physically, mentally, emotionally, your overall well-being. Is it biblical? Actually, it is. It says in 1 Timothy 4.8, for physical training is of some value. Maybe not a ton, but it is of some value. It helps with a lot of things, your overall feeling about yourself. It helps your blood pressure. It helps your stress. Um, it, it helps a lot of things. And so it's of value. The Bible says that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And because it is, we need to take care of our bodies. And especially when we're going through a lot of stress like we're going through right now and turmoil. Our body is God's instrument to spread his word. And so we need to take care of our bodies and exercise them. So if you have an exercise piece of equipment, um, get out the pledge, dust it off, and start using it. Um, use it today. Um, I know some people have extra challenges that uh, can't be helped because of physical limitations. Uh, either from birth or an illness, um, but do what you can uh, to exercise your body. It'll help your mind. It'll help your emotions. It'll help your spirit. Uh, even spiritually, it can help us uh, when we exercise. And the other thing about uh, nurturing our bodies is to make sleep and rest a priority. Now, when I say that, don't take your nap during the sermon. That's not the time I want you to take rest, but maybe after the sermon um, and after you reflect on a little bit and have a little bit of lunch, take a nice nap. Uh, make rest a priority. Don't work yourself to the bone. Uh, don't wear yourself out. Uh, and I know right now this is a busy time for some farmers. I mean, with calving and all, you're like, yeah, how am I supposed to get sleep? Um, well, that is a challenge. Um, and um, just trust that God will allow you to get breaks in there to get some rest or some extra help. But do as much as you can to make rest a priority. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my parents used to make us take naps. And uh, naps did not seem necessary then. 
Uh, now they're essential, uh, but just not during the sermon, please. Um, but definitely take naps. It's, it's good uh, to get rest and to be refreshed. It refreshes our minds and our, our bodies. And then here's another one that kind of hits home for all of us is to eat healthy foods. Um, otherwise, it can affect your mood. Um, your emotions, your physical stamina. You can't live on pop, pretzels, and pizza. I know, so you'll say, I'll just live on cake, candy, and Cool Whip. No, don't do that either. <laughs> um, make sure you try to eat healthy. Um, you know, we're, we're blessed in this country with healthy food uh, that we can eat. And so try to eat healthy. Take your vitamins. Um, all those things are essential to staying healthy and, and well. Uh, so seek to do that. Um, the fourth way um, we can find strength for today is to nurture your mind with scripture and spiritual music. Nurture your mind with scripture and spiritual music. Scripture, Romans 8, 38 and 39 remind us that God is our security. Here's what Paul says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So God is our security. Secondly, God is our refuge. Psalm 18, 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He is our refuge. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So he's our refuge. Thirdly, God is our strength. Isaiah 41, 10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's what God's gonna do for us. Fourthly, God is my provider. Philippians 4, 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So nurture your mind with scripture that God is our security, God is our refuge, God is our strength, God is our provider. What a great reminder and what that does for us when we remember those things. Memorize these verses with your spouse and your kids. And then I'm gonna close with these four things. Um, maybe considering committing yourself to doing these four things for the next four weeks. These ideas come out of June Hunt, who is um, a godly Christian counselor. And actually the last couple points uh, came from her material as well, which is very good. Um, but here's four things to consider. Try them for the next four weeks, every day for the next four weeks. Number one, focus on living in the present, not in the past, not in the future, focus on living in the present. James 4, 13 says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and town 
and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So focus on living in the present. Number two, emulate the godly example of people you know. Emulate the godly example of people you know. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fool will suffer harm. So there are godly examples around you. Learn from them. Model them, imitate them, emulate them. Try to do that. Number three, ask God to direct you in performing at least one unexpected act of kindness every day for the next four weeks. Ask God to direct you in performing at least one unexpected act of kindness every day for the next four weeks. Matthew 7, 12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And then number four, believe God's promise. Believe God's promise. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So practice those things. Know that you can give yourself permission to grieve. You can lean on God's mercy moment by moment. You can nurture your mind with scripture and spiritual music. You can nourish your body with physical activity. This will give us strength for today. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.